Start the week with Unmade. Setting the agenda for the week in media and marketing. This morning, Nine's newspaper journalists prepare to strike, the passing of the Queen, TikTok lobbies for its life, and who will succeed Tracy Grimshaw? I'm A Beauty, sitting in for Damien Francis, and this is Unmade Start the Week. Good morning, Tim Burrows. Good morning, A. Yes, thank you very much for sitting in for Damo. No big family dramas this week. He's not He's not in the hospital with some sort of medical emergency. Just a couple of days off. Um, so a fully Tasmanian podcast this week. Hurrah for regional media. I'm in my home office in uh, Sisters Beach in the northwest of Tasmania. And I'm in my studio in Devonport this morning. Yes, just a tiny bit further east for those who are following along at home. Um, so uh, how was your weekend? It was good. Um, the usual things with the family, uh, cleaning out the shed. Actually, yesterday I took a little drive to the Great Lakes Hotel, which is right in the middle in the highlands of Tasmania. It started to snow when I was there. It was about three degrees. Absolutely magical, barren, beautiful place. It's, it's lovely. It was a great weekend for starting the fire wherever you were in Tasmania. And speaking of starting, uh, hey, where should we start this week? Well, there's only one place to start this week around the world. Normal programming has been suspended following the passing of the Queen. Tim, one of the media moments of the decade? Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? I I remember having a, a friend at the BBC who was telling me years ago how they've got special protocols for something like five Mm. significant people and obviously over time they change but it was prince philip was one of them whoever the prime minister at the time was another that everything um you know goes on hold when that moment comes you know my uh my particular friend was in charge of the nelson mandela coverage Mm. back in the day and then of course he went on uh, paternity leave when it actually happened so having planned it for years he missed the moment himself but um but yeah, very similarly, uh, you know, for the kind of for the protocol side of things, it's it's as it's I think now quite well known, known as uh, Operation London Bridge, um, mm. and so much kind of was was you know was was pre agreed what would happen. It was it was fascinating, you know, going going to bed knowing that something was imminent. I remember you know waking up at about three a.m. Australian time switching across to the BBC mm. coverage and everybody was was on air talking very solemnly wearing black tie although of course they're about half an hour for making the um the big announcement but yeah now uh, media are heading for London for the for the funeral there was uh, uh, <laughs> there's a piece in the Australian Financial Review this morning um revealing that um, a bunch of uh, media workers arrived to check into their Qantas flight to find that their business class seats had been overbooked and they had the choice of either flying economy, which is a long way when you've got to work, or mm. uh, or taking a later flight. So lots of sort of last-minute organisational things. Um, you know, it, it, it obviously massively increases the interest of uh the public in in all things royal i noticed that netflix the crown is uh, back mm. in the time of australian shows at the time um i wondered if they were going to rush or bring forward release of season five have you heard anything about that no i haven't yet and i suppose the one risk for them on that would be to make an announcement now 
might seem a little opportunistic. So I reckon if they were to, my prediction would be they might wait until after the funeral. I I was mm. thinking so. You know, I know they'd sort of said the se- the series was coming to its end, but I I did also find myself wondering whether they might be tempted to to make one more season more than they'd planned, given that that things have moved on. So I I mm. guess we'll you know we'll we'll find out about that soon enough. Um, every news agent one walked into uh, on Saturday, of course, uh, one saw different sort of portrait pictures of the Queen. Um, mm. Interesting to see the uh, Australians media section today talking about how those print editions have been flying off the shelves, as the Australian described it, um, both sort of souvenir editions and others. And again, a lot of this is pre-prepared. You know, I mm. I remember way back in the day when I worked on newspapers in the UK, you know, we uh, the, 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 the it was a daily paper, but a regional paper I worked in. We just had pre-printed down in the basement the the souvenir edition ready for when the Queen Mother would leave us was already printed mm. and ready to go and then just inserted inserted on the day. Um, so you you you, you, you have, have many of those preparations there, but regardless of the preparations, things do still sometimes go wrong. So there's. There is an intriguing piece in the media diary in the Australian this morning, which I'm not sure they've got to the bottom of it, but they're suggesting that something went awry on Friday morning, which was um, obviously the morning that Australia woke up to the news. The plan was that just after 6am, there would be an address, which was supposedly going to be live uh, from Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. And the idea would be it would go out at 6.05. The ABC would provide the coverage of it, but provide it as what they call a clean feed. So without any kind of logos or anything Mm, to all the other broadcasters. Um, But the Australian reports that um, just something went astray and it got all the way to 6.30 before it finally went out. Now, the speculation in the Oz is, well, two things. They said that uh, Andrew um, Clannell, speaking on Sky yesterday, suggested there were last-minute protocols. But here's the more intriguing thing from the Australian. This is what the Australian says, and it's in the Australian's media diary. Diary understands that the PM actually delivered his message live to air shortly after the initially expected 6.05am. But then a technical issue hit somewhere in the ABC system, ABC's system, could someone have forgotten to hit the record button? Now, it's quite cleverly written as just a question. I mean, that's the thing, you, you, you think surely not, particularly because if it was live to air, then it would have been being carried at the time. But these things do happen. There was a whole eviction in uh, a, 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 a series or two ago of Big Brother, on seven where they had to re-record the eviction episode or at least part of it because somebody failed to record it properly. So mm. believe it or not, it does happen. But, mm. um, but yeah, it, it, it's an intriguing thing, but I don't think the Australian have quite got to the bottom of it. So how do brands handle the Queen's passing in a respectful way? 
Yeah, I suppose that's the thing. It is one of these stories which is both a, both a media story and a marketing story. Um, now, in marketing, sometimes it's about knowing what not to do. Um, of course, you know, you've seen a whole bunch of brands jump onto social media, tweeting their commiserations, sometimes in an opportunistic way, uh, sometimes in a more uh, risk management way, you know, to be because it it, 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 it might be a poor luck poor look to say nothing at all i think one of the fascinating things about um kind of the digitization of billboards is if you're a brand you suddenly don't want some crass message uh, on mm. your digital billboards everywhere so particularly in the uk where the public transport systems are just that little bit further advanced than here in australian in the digitization a lot of them have just switched to images of the queen because of course other brands don't want to be there so that has been uh you know that 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 has been one obvious reaction which we obviously wouldn't have seen even five years ago where you you mm. can't change billboard couldn't change billboards in that way uh and then one of the most fascinating things for me is on on twitter there's an account called grieve watch which uh, tracks some of the uh, the most kind of ridiculous or opportunistic uh, messages. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm, I'm not sure in the scheme of things the, uh, the 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 world needed to know the opinion of the British Kebab Awards on the passing of the Queen. Next, Nine's journos prepare to strike. Unmade. We're reading today in The Australian that journalists from Nine's newspaper mastheads are set to strike later this week, Tim. Yeah, so the papers we're talking about here, the Sydney Morning Herald, The Age and the Australian Financial Review. So the former Fairfax newspapers, um, the, the, the two companies, Nine and Fairfax, merged back in 2018. Um, so this particular strike doesn't seem to involve Nine's TV journalists. Now, the Australian is reporting that they've actually reached the point of being ready to strike on Thursday and Friday. Now, this is over the breakdown is possibly too strong, but the failure to reach an agreement in journalists' uh, pay discussions. Uh, So nine has offered its journalists a three and a half percent increase for those on the more... um, for want of a better word, junior rates, what they call graded rates, um, and then for those who are on a bit more, 3%. Now, obviously, that's way below the cost of living rises at the moment, and it's also way below the jump in profitability that Nine recently reported. So um, we're now seeing a vote to strike Thursday and Friday of this week, which obviously wouldn't be quite as damaging as... The, the the day of actual coverage of the queen's funeral the following week um but yeah i um i there's a, there's a little bit of time before thursday and friday but we're getting quite close to the wire now so will they will they get the papers out anyway my guess is they will the best example i can think of for comparison is back in i'm pretty sure without checking it was 2017 when um having been through a miserable five years of cuts and then promises of no more cuts and then more cuts um fairfax made what what actually 
proved to be the last of the big rounds of cuts as they were sort of moving to their kind of new business model, um, which, which in the end was what saved the newspapers. But for the journos on the ground, it, it really did look like another round of cuts. So they finally did strike. Now, the papers came out. Um, they were a bit thinner than usual. You saw a lot of bylines for executive editorial staff. Um, so I suspect that's what we'll see again. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll see some of the bosses and editors who wouldn't be striking, dusting off their keyboards and doing a bit more writing themselves. Um, you know, one of the, one of the things which, um, emerged a few days back was, uh, Mumbrella held its published conference and Luke Chessel, who, um, leads the, um, the, the, the publishing business unit of nine. Uh, men- mentioned and I'm, I'm not I'm not sure uh, how intentional it was or whether it was a spontaneous comment but he was sitting on stage and and, and said that one of the reasons why Nine has re-engaged with uh, the um, uh, Newswire service AAP used to stand for Australian Associated Press is because that will be a supply of copy now when Nine sold its stake in AAP and the organisation nearly died, it would have seemed quite unlikely that just a couple of years later, um, it would be back as a subscriber again. Um, now, I must admit, I I did wonder a bit quite where Luke Chessel sits in that debate, because on the one hand, it looked like a perhaps a bit of a faux pas or a bit provocative to say it, but, but then you also find yourself thinking, well, he is, you know, he's not long been a journo himself, I wonder if actually quietly he's cheering on his troops um, and kind of, uh, you know, arguing slightly from the sidelines internally for them. Now, we, we can't know, but, hey, look, you know, I, I certainly remember much earlier in my career when, um, uh, you know, when when we actually were working to rule to get a better pay deal, um, quietly, quite a few of our management, um, certainly the kind of, people who weren't at the very top tier were quietly cheering us on, even as they were, you know, trying to be seen to be doing the right thing. Next, the mood turned against TikTok. Unmade. TikTok is one of the fastest growing social media platforms. Tim, do you actually have an account? Let's not answer that one. But the (laughs) politics is getting louder too, Tim. Well, hey, the I, I will answer that one, which is I very briefly did, and I found myself very quickly becoming addicted to it. Sucked into um, the vortex. To the sense it was sucking up so much time. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it just struck me that this was a bad idea, so I deleted it again, which is one of the issues that's being talked about here. You know, so TikTok has become the, you know, the, the, the one of those most immersive things, particularly kind of amongst younger audiences, because it's very, very good at getting to know what they like in this video content and then giving them more of the same. Now, the other thing where just the drumbeat is getting really loud is uh, the, 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 the politics around TikTok and the geopolitics, given that um, it's owned out of China. Now, uh, one of the louder pieces of noise about this came from uh, the boss of um, the German publishing company, Axel Springer, um, who described it as a tool of espionage um, Now, for the uh, Chinese Communist Party. And there, you know, certainly there is some legitimacy to his concerns 
in that absolutely um, the way the organisation is set up, if the Chinese Communist Party or the Chinese government ordered it to hand over data, it absolutely would have to, and we absolutely wouldn't know about it. So there is this increasing question of, in a world where there are so many tensions between China and other parts of the world, what on earth are the other parts of the world doing, allowing TikTok such unfettered access to the psyche of their populations? And of course, um, to the behavior of um, business people and politicians who happen to use it. Interesting. I was listening to download the show, the ABC podcast yesterday, and they had a piece talking about the research into different social media apps. And TikTok was the only one that was recording keystrokes when you searched or use the in-app browser. They're saying, no, we're not, we can do that. We're not using that. We would never use that, but it was just part of the software development kit. The argument is, well, if you're not using it, why is it there and how can we trust you? And look, and I think one of the things is we were, you know, we all kick ourselves a bit because we were probably too trusting of Facebook and even um, Google's intentions around programmatic advertising back in the day and probably come to rue it now. And it does feel a little bit like history is repeating itself with TikTok. So what about the politics in Australia? Yeah, look, it's just beginning to get on the radar here. There's a, a, a piece um, in Rear Window in the Australian Financial Review today, uh, which talks about the fact that um, the lobbying has started very, very quickly after the new government came in. So uh, there's been a bit of a, um, uh investigation, I suppose, from the AFR. So you know they've they've been able to lay their hands on um, some disclosures from the government that um, TikTok's director of public policy um, in Australia, Brent Thomas, uh, wrote to Home Affairs and Cybersecurity Minister Claire O'Neill on June the sixth, which was of course less than a week after she was sworn into that gig, um, and we, we we don't know what the contents of the letter was. But um, we, 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 we do know that those conversations are happening. Now, of course, all of the social media giants spend an awful lot of money on lobbying. Uh, but it certainly feels that um, TikTok is going to need to because the, the noises and the concerns are only getting louder. Next, can the NRL get a do-over of its TV rights deal? Unmade. As we've already been talking about, last week was huge for the media. Back on Tuesday, the AFL finally announced its $4 billion TV rights deal with Foxtel and Seven West Media. Damo, uh, you and Damo, Tim, were talking about that ad nauseum for weeks, it seems. Um, and finally, they've announced it. And there may be reverberations for Nine's NRL deal, Tim. Yes, finally, you know, began that thing where the, it never seemed to get any nearer except in a time is linear kind of way. But it, it did actually happen. And as you say, it was a huge deal for $4 billion in cash and then Contra as well with money from Foxtel and money from Seven West Media. Now, this does put the management and leadership of NRL under a little pressure because, of course, they then get the question of, well, did you really rush to do your last deal during um, the height of COVID? Do, you know, did, 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 did you actually get the best you can? So 
Peter Valandis is as uh, 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 boss of NRL is under a little bit of pressure. There, he's the chairman of um, uh, the Australian Rugby League Commission. Now, um, the intriguing thing, and this is a story in the Sydney Morning Herald today, is they revealed that they did try to get what's described as a most favoured clause in the extension with Foxtel, which would have effectively been an agreement that if Foxtel ended up paying more for AFL, NRL would have to get the same as well. Now, the article suggests that Foxtel actually didn't agree to that. But nonetheless, um, it, it suggests that Valandis is acting in such a way that he does think that he can pull something out of the bag with Foxtel but wouldn't describe what it is, but did com- confirm that there are discussions which are confidential. Um, now, Harold is just saying that has been told that there's a perceived verbal agreement between the NRL and Foxtel chief executive, Patrick Delaney. Um, so that um, that's kind of intriguing. Um, also, I just wonder whether there might be a couple of tensions because, you know, Verlander's told the Herald last week, and again, this is the quote, at the time, Fox needed an asset on its sheet to continue its viability. If we didn't come into play, there'd be no Foxtel. Now, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, um, and I'm not sure that Foxtel would either. So, um, yeah, we'll see whether this is just posturing or whether NRL can grab a few more dollars from Foxtel. Next, the week in TV. Unmade. A big week in television. Tim, let's start with the ratings. Yeah, let's do that. Um, we're sort of we've been hitting a bit of a, a natural order in recent weeks, I suppose, with nine winning the first half of the week, um, particularly because of the block. Seven winning the second half of the week, thanks to AFL finals season. Uh, we're also again having the natural order of things where. Um, nine are winning in twenty five fifty four, the key demographic. Seven are winning in total people. So if we zip through last week's ratings, um, and this is just looking at the share between the big three, seven, nine, and ten. So uh, those are the only ones in this percentage. So so for instance, you know, in the week just gone, um, it was. Uh, Narrowly seven that won in uh, network channel share with nearly 42%. Um, nine wasn't that far behind with 39%. Um, but when you go to 25.54, it's the other way around with um, uh, nine narrowly winning. Um, very similar story in prime primary channel share. So, you know, the, the channel known as nine, the channel known as seven. Um one of the things that fascinates me is it 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 seems that one of the times when 10 really loses out these days because it cuts so much cost out of and resource out of its news division is when something big is happening so it's just shocking to see how poor for instance 10's share was on saturday the 10's overall share of the market, so this is anyone who's watching television, 4.7% of that live viewing audience on Saturday, which is is tiny. 
I can't actually remember a smaller time. So by comparison, Nine's prime channel share was 18.5%. Seven's was a massive 30.4%, as I say, because of finals. But yeah, let me say, let me emphasize that again. Seven on 30.4%, 10 on 4.7%. i am not sure there will have been as bad a day as that for a little while for um, for 10 in the ratings. Surely questions are being asked internally, you'd have to think. Yeah, you'd you'd think so. I mean, obviously the wider play being owned by Paramount is um, Paramount Plus streaming, which was one of the reasons why the organisation went so hard to try and win AFL rights. So you've Mm. got to wonder now, well, what, what, what can Tengo after next? I mean, Olympics are coming up. I'm sure they'll look at that seriously. Cricket, when it comes up, Ten did have um, slices of the cricket with Big Bash. It, it again just emphasises if it wants to be competitive at the weekends, it needs a sport. And meanwhile, Nine is looking for a new host for a current affair with Tracy Grimshaw to step down. I'm assuming you're not in the running, Tim, for hosting gigs, but who is? Well, look, this is an interesting one. Um, there's a big piece in the Daily Mail today, actually, suggesting that uh, Carrie Bickmore is high on the target list. Mm. So very popular host of the project. Um, Now, one of the intriguing things, which is both in the Daily Mail today and also the Australian Media Diary, is uh, apparently Carrie Bickmore is out of contract of the project at the end of this year. So that makes the timings interesting in that it might just make it slightly easier to get her across but then of course there are also plenty of people within nine who would love the gig because it's 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 a little bit more civilized than um the breakfast time hours for instance so of course you know the other people in the frame uh carl stefanovic um host of today um sylvia jeffries who um is currently hosting today extra they're suggesting in the frame along with co-host of today alison langdon um and also saturday's current a current affair host deb knight so a bunch of internal talent which is quite intriguing and then a couple of other external talents well um stan grant um host of q a although given how badly that's been rating for the mm. ABC recently. I think I'd probably rule that one out. Um, News Breakfast host Lisa Miller is, um, you know, a popular and familiar face with audiences. Um, Sarah Harris has definitely got the flying hours in as um, the anchor at Studio 10. Um, or, of course, um, Melissa Doyle, who uh, back in the day was Sunrise host, more recently Sunday Night for Seven. Again, whether she'd have the appetite to go back into something, you know, every night of the week, we'd have to see. But yeah, look, it's one of, it's probably the biggest vacancy in television right now. I do remember years ago, Stan Grant hosted Today Tonight on Seven, way back in the day. So he's got current affair chops, so it will be interesting to watch who gets the gig. Uh, but a big week coming up for nine. Yeah, I'll be um, spending a couple of days in Sydney this week. It's the start of Upfronts season proper. So Nine will be doing their Upfronts on Wednesday at uh, Luna Park in in North Sydney. So um, for those who aren't familiar, you know, Upfronts, 
goodness knows where they got the name. I suppose you can work it out, really. But um, they're the chance for everybody to hear about what's coming up uh, for the coming year. So this is both media agencies and uh, the, the, the 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 big spending brands themselves, the chief marketing offers, officers. Um, the idea being that when they they hear about the slate for the coming year. Uh, they, they 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 make some commitments about how much share of their spends they'll they'll hand over. So so you know it's 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 maybe slightly less than it used to be, but it's all about the annualized deals. So you know this is a chance to show off what you've got coming. Um, these days you don't get that many surprises at the upfronts. You know it it, it feels like it would have been a very different mood, for instance, if Nine had successfully snatched the AFL. Um, whereas this time, hey, look, you know, I'm sure they're going to announce another, another twist on the block, which you know is really the the the, the show that keeps nine so strong. Um, whether there's other surprises though, I I don't know. Um, I mean, they will obviously announce some new programming, but there's we we're not quite yet at the rumbling stage. And normally, what tends to happen pre upfronts is you get some sort of a story dropped in the weekend papers about something they're going to announce. And there wasn't any of that. You know, actually, I, I remember flicking to the back pages of the Sunday Telegraph, um, which has often been the place in the past where you'd find something placed, but nothing yet. So um, so we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. And then um, not long after that, um, 10 and 7 uh, follow on with, uh, with their upfronts. And then um, even later in the year uh, comes Foxtel. So... Um, so we shall see, but uh, but yes, it'll be the first time in um, oh gosh, three years I suppose that uh, everyone's been in the same room for the nine up fronts. Well, that's it for today. We'd love to hear what you think of it at letters at unmade.media. That's letters at unmade.media. And my thanks again to Abe for filling in. Damien will be back tomorrow with another edition of Tuesdayta. Don't forget, if you'd like to support Unmade, you can become a paying member. Go to unmade.media to find out how. Today's podcast was produced with the usual enthusiastic support of Abe's audio. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's audio.